Welcome back to Tipsy Theology, the podcast where we say crazy things and people correct us. Today we have Johnny Benz joining us today, Dr. Johnny Benz, the newly added, the official... Yeah, dude, it's great. It's great to have you on here. I was saying earlier, it's been a long time since we've spoken, and I, I realize that now. It's like, man, why did why did this happen? It's crazy. Uh, well, but yeah, we've known you for. I'm well, sorry. I said both of us are neglecting our our responsibilities to hang out. I guess <laughs> it's true. We failed to answer the call. <laughs> it's like, what's going on there? <laughs> But yeah, so I've I've known you for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. You married one of my good friend's sisters. Several of my good friend's sisters. Mm-hmm. Not that you married multiple women, but <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple friends from the same family. <laughs> uh but yeah, you know, it has always been that joke that Johnny has been the guy who is like a little too perfect. And we were oh, always no. kind of figuring out, like, what, what's going on here? Why, why did God do this? <laughs> and now you're a doctor, so you're just, like, stacking it up there. <laughs> but you wrote a thesis, and you, you sent it out to us that you wanted to talk yeah. to. And we're, I'm excited to talk to you about it. It's about uh, sexual shame. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be getting into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before well, we thanks. hop into that, how's everything? What's going on? Uh Pretty well. Um, I'm settling into a new role as um, a clinical professor for Adams State University here in Colorado. Um, and I'm teaching five classes, right which is a lot. Uh, Dang. It's, it's a, yeah, they threw me in the deep end. Uh, not not threw me under the bus, but definitely threw me in the deep end. So, so that's been good. I'm teaching courses on... Um, <laughs> I'm also, besides being a doctor, I'm a, also a professional counselor. So I see clients on this, oh, uh, wow. you know, part time and, and I'm teaching counselors in their master's program. So I'm teaching courses on right now on uh, integrating religion and spirituality into counseling, overcoming childhood trauma and hmm. some other stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, been, it's good. But life is uh, going pretty well. That's some big stuff. Well, it's some stuff. That's so cool. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I don't know if uh, if you heard this one. We had a, a friend on James who is a counselor as well. And that was oh, one of the cool. things that it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's, it's cool to see how more mainstream uh, the recognition of trauma is and like, especially yeah. inside the church. Um. Mm-hmm. But then we were, we kind of spoke a little bit about there seems to be like a little bit of a danger with a lot of people heading into it and not really knowing what they're doing too. Mm-hmm. You mean within the church? Is that, has that been something that you kind of you? I we were talking about that in particular, um, just because we're we both go to church and see that, and he's mm-hmm. a little bit more knowledgeable than I am, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Has that has that been something that you've seen? Or that you yeah, that you well, see just I guess in general not really picking on the church. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely becoming something that's more well understood, which is really great. You know, things like 
um, hmm. the ACE study or adverse childhood experiences study and, and the negative impact that that has on well-being, like the tendency to uh, like be uh, overweight or have asthma, like all of those things are really tightly tied to um, hmm. early experiences of, of childhood trauma. And so, you know, it's becoming more well known. Wow. And it's also, it, all, it is, it is a really difficult to help clients process trauma. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an involved process that takes a lot of time. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I'm glad it's becoming more of a topic of conversation. I think that's, that's really positive overall. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> it's good. But yeah, I think that's, that's what's tough for me because I know, I don't know if it's just like the guy side of it or it's me in particular, but it's like, I definitely, when I see someone struggling, someone's like, I want to do something to help, but I know there mm -hmm. are times when I can do way more damage than good. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to like, how do I balance those out <laughs> or recognize when I'm in way over my head? It's well, a, it's yeah, a tough well, spot. That's, that's why I became a counselor really was, I was working as a youth pastor in, mm. um, in Missouri. Wow. And, you know, some of the, the kids would come to me and talk to me and be like, well, this happened to me or, um, you know, I don't have anywhere to go, you know, with with the, this, like, burden that I'm carrying mm. around or, or, like, set of experiences. And I was like, I have no idea what, you know, what to tell them or what, how to be, how to be helpful. And so I decided that if... if I was going to wow. stay in ministry. Like I had to find something, uh, I had to find a way of, of talking to people and helping people through those traumas because I, I just realized like I'm totally unqualified. So, mm. you know, like the big, the big thing that I would say is for you as a lay person, you know, lay person or whatever um, is yeah. being a listening ear because <laughs> really what trauma does is it shuts down our ability to really, you know, because how do you speak the unspeakable? And and we're going to get into that some with, you know, our conversation on shame, but, um, you know, it's really difficult. You, you lose the ability to put into language what exactly happened. And so for you being a listening ear, mm. that's, that's, you know, that's a, and for people to be able to voice what their experience has been is, is really important. And that's, that's how you can be helpful. That's really good to hear. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it can be tough to listen in that case, I think. Well, you know, I'm, this is one thing I'm curious about after hearing you say a lot of that is like, why do you think there are some people that others are more willing to speak to than like their parents or people they know well? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I've always kind of been a person that people are willing and able to talk to. Um, and I, and I honestly, Paul, I think that boils down to like, to a genuine interest or curiosity about, about other people, you know, um, like hmm. if you're a counselor and you're not curious about your clients, like that's, you're, you're not going to have, but you're not going to have very many clients or the clients you do get aren't going to stick around. For <laughs> <long>. <laughs> so and it also, you know, I think it also has a lot to do with, the, yeah, the relationship dynamics that that occur, you know, with parents or whatever. It's like, oh, they're an authority, and they're not. They, you know, maybe they're not uh, 
there's a suspicion, suspicion, I think, sometimes about about authority figures. So that can be part of it too. Hmm. Okay. That's yeah, that's fair. And I, I it's I I it's funny I asked that not to like be pointing fingers at people or anything. <laughs> but just as yeah, out of out of curiosity. Um because that that's one thing that I found. I it sounds like you're that way as well. It's, I I tend to find myself in situations where people are telling me way more than I expected. <laughs> I'm like, "Whoa, I don't know what, well, how I got here, what I'm doing here." <laughs> but I know this this you're not that you're not talking to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, but hey, before we before we really jump into it, what do you what are you drinking today? Do you want to guess? I'm gonna guess it's uh well, so I should say for anyone listening and watching, uh, there is a time difference between us because I'm in Florida, you're in Colorado, mm-hmm. so there's like a two hour time difference, and uh, we're recording at four thirty right now, so it's two thirty for you. <laughs> I'm at the end of a work day typically, so I can I can drink a little bit more, so. I'm imagining yeah. it's something light. <laughs> yes. It's, like, yes. it's the lightest beer you could imagine. I am a man of sophistication. You ready for this? <laughs> right on. <laughs> Stella <Bush> Artois? <laughs> no, Bush Light. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Bush has some lovely gardens. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's well hey i've got this it's a little bit i think it's a little bit invented it might be a real thing it's like i'm using jack daniel's tennessee fire um and apple cider to make this like apple cider cocktail i don't know if it's actually it might be a thing it might be a real thing but i've never had uh florida polk county apple cider so i don't even know if it's any good <laughs> i'm used to the you know the good old Ohio cider where there's like apple trees everywhere, and I I don't think I've seen a single apple tree here in Florida. <laughs> so, I don't even know if they grow here, do they? Probably. They're fake. <laughs> so we'll find out there. Okay, it's synthetic. <laughs> so that's that's. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like the uh beyond burger it's like beyond apples <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just like this goop in a lab that they're making <laughs> yeah. but we'll see if this is uh okay yeah let me know how that is <laughs> i don't make the rules you know it's florida so <laughs> but anyway cheers to you <laughs> all right cheers <laughs> That's actually uh might just be my uh mixology skills, but that's actually pretty delicious. Okay. There you go. It's not bad at all. <laughs> so it's got uh <laughs> it might be, but I'm enjoying it. It tastes more like apple cider than anything. It's kind of like uh, this tastes like a drink my brother Thomas would like because you can't taste the alcohol at all. <laughs> and that's that's kind of his deal. He doesn't like the taste of alcohol at all. So, and he he did an episode earlier with us where we drank uh, we drank ciders. <laughs> so, if that says anything about it, there you go. But hey, let's uh let's hop right into it then. Okay. The old uh, <laughs> it's fine. I think this is probably my uh my tendency to like how I cope with things to 
try to lighten it up a little bit. So I'm like, all right, I probably shouldn't try to make jokes. <laughs> but then there, then there's a part of me that's like, well, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing as long as it's, you know, not offensive. <laughs> so I'm wrestling with yeah. that a little bit. But yeah, so we're we're talking about sexual shame. Oh, go for it. Go for it. I was gonna say, There's a little bit of delay, so just cut me off. Yeah, there is. That's that's. We'll try and work around that, but it's a it's a tough topic. Um, it's it's really challenging for people to navigate. But and and even yeah. as you know, even as a therapist, it's it's challenging to navigate sometimes. Um, you know, I I wrote the my master's thesis on sexual shame. Mm. I also wrote a my dissertation on a related topic and looked at the experience of sexual shame within counselors um, and explored that hmm. it turns out that there is a relationship between like higher levels of sexual shame within the counselor means that they'll avoid the topic of sex and sexuality with their clients, which is really interesting. Really? I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It makes, you know, wow. you would expect that if you were just thinking about it, but it, like the, the research that I did is, is the first to empirically uh, demonstrate that. So, kind of cool dang and here we are <laughs> breaking ground <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> wow yeah you know so it is and i know this is kind of the nature of what we do a little bit here i'm going to be picking on the church probably slightly more than i should <laughs> but i i think that's that's where that's where i guess i'm at I, I could pick on a lot of people when it comes to this um but it seems like something I should just say the topic of sex in general is something that's very badly discussed, um, which leads people down every different direction besides the right one, it seems. <laughs> and there are there are few a few people that I know that that teach well on it, um, but then it's it's difficult because you're mostly fighting with how do I try to shape the way that people who grew up their whole life thinking about it a certain way think about it now. And then, then the idea of where shame and guilt comes into it is like a whole separate topic that seems like no one's really ready for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you feel like how do you feel like when you're going about like researching and writing this because you have a, you have a lot of obviously it's an academic paper too, <laughs> so like you have a lot of resources in there which are great. Um, but how did how did how did you go about when you're researching that and I guess studying on this? Did you find yourself thinking about it differently? Absolutely. Uh, you know, so shame is kind of like one of those experiences that were obviously profoundly, you know, painful. Like there's that urge to kind of, you know, disappear into the floor. Right. And so, so I think we're all pretty well mm. acquainted with what it feels like to, you know, be in a shame state. Um, but like looking at the yeah. theological aspects of it was, was really new for me. And um, as well as like the attachment stuff that I got into mm. and the, and the brain stuff, like all of that was really new information. And I spent, man, I basically took three months and that's all I did for eight hours a day was read and write. And that's, wow. you know, that's where that, yeah, 100 page, whatever it is, 80, 85 pages, uh, <laughs> 22,000 yeah. words. 
<laughs> that's where that came from. Uh, so it's not a I mean, it's not a coffee book table, you know, <laughs> or a oh, coffee yeah. table book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of that was new, you know, and and I I can't actually remember hmm. why I got interested in this in the first place, aside from you know personal experience and exactly what you were talking about earlier, which is yeah. that you know. You, you know, like how I grew up was like, you don't talk about sex. You don't, you know, there's, there's nothing covered with it. And, yeah. And so then that leaves a kind of a gap and there's this unstated um, kind of agreement that there's something bad about sexuality. Right. And so that, mm. that's kind of what I grew up yeah. with. And, um, so I wanted to explore that, and it's something that frightened me and challenged me. And so I think that that's you know kind of where my interest came came from. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It is amazing how. I mean, it was the same thing for me growing up. It, it, it was this like even talking about it in any capacity was just shameful and wrong. <laughs> so it's like, even thinking about it, it's like, how dare you even think about this thing that God created? <laughs> and it was, it seems like just because everyone's afraid that it'll be taken to a sinful place. Um, so then I feel bad because there's people I know that they got to their wedding night and suddenly like this thing that you haven't been able to even consider for the last you know, however many years you can go ahead for it, go for it now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it causes a lot of like fear in a lot of people just because of how they were raised. The truth is that it's, it's difficult as parents. I'm not a parent, but I can imagine it being difficult to, you know, communicate really very well with your kids about, about sex and sexuality. You know, mm. it's, it's awkward, can be awkward. And, um, so eh, let's just avoid, yeah. it, you know, ter- which, you know, you don't realize what that's creating within your kids. You know, it's, uh, that's often the way things go. There's, yeah. there's, uh, yeah, just like an av- avoid it because it's uncomfortable. And then it becomes like something else entirely for, for the kid. Mm. So, yeah. What were you going to ask me, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, and that's so dangerous because then we see, like, in the public sphere, they're like, well, the parents aren't teaching their kids, so I guess we have mm-hmm. to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then if they don't, then it's like, well, someone's going to, and it probably is mm-hmm. not going to be the person you want. Mm-hmm. Correct. Or the thing you want, even. Yeah. It's going to be porn or <laughs> the kid next to you in the, the yeah. locker next to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who has a Playboy magazine, most likely? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then that creates like unrealistic expectations, and 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 ultimately, mm. you know, like you're judging yourself, which then create can create more shame too, because it's like I'm, I'm not well, you know, I'm not that. So, whether that's body image or you know whatever, mm. or, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I know that's that was a huge part in what you wrote about too. So. I, I think it would be hmm, I'm trying to think of how I wanna how I wanna approach it. So it's like I feel like we can all agree that it's like, yeah, there's definitely shame surrounding it. 
Uh, actually, I, I I will spend a minute on there too, because what I what I really appreciated was especially in the theological realm, where you brought up how it distances ourselves, where mm-hmm. when we engage in in shame, I don't know if we can say it that way, but <laughs> I guess when you have shame, there's uh, I'm trying to remember how you said it. You said it really well, where there's a distance, distancing that happens between us and God, and it's kind of us like hiding ourselves from Him. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I really drew uh, in talking about shame. I really draw on um, like the early the early uh, earliest writings we've got, which is Genesis, right? You know, you, you, that's that's so mm-hmm. to start off with. What I would want to say is there's the distinction between shame and guilt. There's obviously some overlap, like they're very similar experiences Mm. um, and they look and feel a lot alike. But the difference is that shame is about who we Mm. are, right? Whereas guilt is about what we've done. Mm. So, you know, uh, you can Mm. can say shame is like, I am a bad mom, right? Because that's a statement about what what and who I am. Versus guilt would be like, oh, I didn't do that perfectly. You know, I, I may have messed something up. Mm. Right? And that, that's the difference. So <clears throat> so when we get into oh, I see. like a theological exploration, it really helps to start with um, the Genesis account of the fall. And what happens there is that immediately, you know, it talks about they their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. And that really stands out as... Um, you know, fascinating because mm-hmm. it's like if it was guilt, then they would have felt bad about something uh, like what they had done, eating the apple, right, or whatever. And versus mm-hmm. shame is like there's something wrong with me, and so I have to, you know, immediately mm-hmm. the response that you see is them distancing themselves from God. They go and hide, right, and then and then you know God comes after them finds them yeah and then there's this distancing from between each other as well there's like this vertical distance that takes place as well as the horizontal um as a result of like recognizing that we're Mm. that that they're flawed right so yeah you have you have to withdraw wow because yeah you're less than in some senses um and Hmm. yeah and it's like um when I say this, like, uh, you, yeah, you recognize that you're insufficient in some way, shape, or form, and that distances you. And that that carries through, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but that carries through right into neurobiology and, and attachment relationships. You know, we'll get into that piece, but sticking with the theological, yeah, it absolutely, you know, we rec- we all, and we all recognize that we're flawed, Right, like you, you know, deep in your soul, and if you don't, that's an even worse problem. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but we all recognize that we're flawed, and we all. And, and <laughs> that's a whole that's different a, thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I forget what your question was, but I hopefully answered it. So yeah. No, that's fair. Things. I was. That yeah, you you definitely did. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah! 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 Um, well, you know, so it was interesting with that, what I'm thinking of now is taking it to like a more, I guess a more like common example of it. And I'm, I'm interested to see if this actually carries over well. So I I think about like, there's times when I 
do something or I don't, let's say I don't do something I was supposed to. Uh, it happened when my brother and I shared an apartment. Like, hey, you were supposed to do this. I'm like, yeah, well, I, I didn't. <laughs> and he calls me out on it. And he's like, hey, why didn't you do this? I'm like, I did it. Screw you. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and there's just that I, where he's kind of exposed something that I haven't done. So I guess there's maybe I could say guilt for something I, I haven't done that I was supposed to do. So I didn't act the way I was I was supposed to. But then I set up this barrier, this defensiveness of like, well, hey, I'm perfect. You're not. Like, <laughs> You don't know me. So would you say that that would be like a form of – how do I want to say it? I guess for me, it's like it seems like there's the overlap is guilt can lead to shame. Is that fair to say? Yeah, because with with your scenario. Okay, I know I I jumped a few barriers. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. So with your, uh, you know, your story about with your brother, it's it's not just that you didn't do the thing. It's that you're the kind of trash person who wouldn't do that thing. Right. And that that's where the shame comes in is mm. because it's like he's not saying anything about you per se, but it's it's what's unstated that that brings that sense of shame, you know, mm. and especially if you have already have like some what's uh, the word I'm looking for some insecurity around like, you know, who you are. It, it's really easy for somebody to, mm. you know, shame you. Mm -hmm. Oh, because you have more deep seated insecurities like you said about whatever it may be right right that's yeah that's fascinating mm -hmm. but what and i think that's so what you said, that's what what you said paul is that it caused you to put up barriers between you and your brother and and that's really fascinating because yeah um, and that ties together with what martin luther uh not martin luther king jr but martin luther the old one um what he said, how he described the hammer guy. Sin. <laughs> <laughs> the hammer guy. Yeah. So what he said, is how he described sin, was he talked about it as the human being turned inward on himself. Homo incurvatissimus say, I think is is a Latin phrase, and and so it's what you get is this kind of like turning hmm. away and kind of hunching uh, imagery. And that's exactly what happened between you and your brother, right? Hmm. There's like this moment of shame, and it's like this turning, turning away. Yeah. Or, you know, you said putting up bar barriers, but that's that's what shame, I think, ultimately is. It's like a, a choosing to distance yourself from other people to hmm. for self protective measure. And and what's really fascinating, this is you know, this speaks to well, it's just fascinating to me. But <clears throat> that's actually what happens. Neurobiologically speaking, there's this um, uh, cuneiform cringe yeah. uh, that's activated during shame states, and and it's exactly that where it's like you you know it's a hunching, and you're what you're doing is you're exposing the the less uh, vulnerable parts of yourself to to the other. Um, you know, there's oh, that desire wow. to withdraw and hide. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. And that's exactly what shame does. And that's exactly what, you know, mm. like, that's how Martin Luther described sin. It's, it's super fascinating. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So are you saying yeah. there's like, there's a physical reaction to, to that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 crazy how like unsurprising that kind of is too. So it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, why wouldn't those 
like root things cause you know physical reactions it's like it's like yeah we get a toothache and it's the worst pain we've ever had and it's this tiny little piece in our you know in our entire body mm-hmm. and it's like yeah that's just that's that's really crazy <laughs> wow yeah and it's it's amazing to me how it manifests itself you know i can i can throw an anecdote about you know one situation and it's like oh yeah it comes down to all these areas where you know you do see issues and you can kind of break through those. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that's fascinating to me about, I think about counseling and psychology is just how everything we do is related to something. <laughs> and, and a lot of times it seems to be related in some kind of trauma <laughs> or insecurity. Yeah, very much so. I guess carrying that through then, how can, how can we recognize that in ourselves and how do we recognize that? It's probably easy to recognize in other people, but I guess in that case, like, what do we do when we recognize those things? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, like, when we recognize <laughs> within ourselves that there are flaws uh, and, and see our imperfections, and we see that you know, rooted in our traumas, um, the instinct, and, and this is like what the whole, my whole, um, thesis was about. Our instinct is to withdraw and, um, mm-hmm. hide away from other people, you know? And that's, again, yeah. you know, to point back to Adam and Eve and what they did, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly the pattern, you know, the writers nailed that. And that's our tendency mm. is to like, cover up the part of ourselves that's flawed and, and problematic. And, and so ultimately, you know, Mm. the, the remedy is actually the opposite of that. You know, when we see our, our traumas and our, and our Mm. flaws, it's, it's to expose those um, and, and show those to other people who are willing and able to hold that space well for us who love us and who really, you know, care for us and want to see us do well. Um, and because hmm. that's, you know, how can I say this? Like what is God's response to Adam and Eve um, after, you know, after the fall, after they go and hide, what's, what does he do? Yeah. He covers them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before, even before that, what he does is he goes after them. He goes looking for them. He he's calling for them. Like, where are mm. you? Where are you? Um, and and that's like, that's the that's how we. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and our nakedness, our vulnerability, our our flaws. It's like mm. by exposing those two. So that would be God coming for that. He, so yeah, so he's kind of that was God coming in trying to reconcile in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not like you didn't is that, know is that fair to already. say yeah yeah that's exactly so far, right that's exactly right yeah you know i like to <laughs> maybe especially about halfway through maybe <laughs> i like to get vulnerable so <laughs> yeah you know so that's one thing that you know i've definitely noticed for myself um where I, i'm i feel like i'm getting to a, i'm at hopefully at the end of it <laughs> but I've recognized I'm in a place where I don't feel 
the same kind of motivation to um to study God's word or to pray or to just love God the way I used to or the way I want to. And what's what's interesting about that is cuz I recognize oh cuz I've let this other sin get in the way of it. And in a way it's like oh I think I have like you said I've, I've allowed shame the shame of that sin to come in between those things. And I'm kind of afraid to go to God in this because it's like, well, I'm I'm vulnerable and I'm 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 ashamed in front of him right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so the the natural side of me is the natural side is like to continue to turn, but it's like, oh no, really I just need to like own up to it and lean into it. <laughs> and be like, yeah, I did screw up. You know, help me heal from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the the natural tendency, like the, the, you know, to go back to what I said a minute ago about Martin Luther, it's that desire to like to turn away, you know, and, and withdraw yeah. from connection and communion. Yeah. And, and instead, you know, the, the exact opposite is really what we need. Um, and, and what's great about that, Paul, hmm. is that it's not just on us. It's God chasing is, you know, God chasing after us. That's what the whole idea of the incarnation is, right? Is like God, you know, went out of Mm. his way to be, you know, to become human, to take on the, the, you know, the physical body. And, and, you know, that's the point of it. It's like, he's not just, he's not just like, you know, yeah. Paul's just what what a you know what a screw up. <laughs> he, 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 he's not like that at all, you know. Like there's a, there's a fascinating, right? Um, there's this fascinating passage in in Revelation where um, you know John's writing and and he he says um, I heard about. Uh, the kind of like conquering hero, basically. I heard about uh, God mm. who's going to come, come and like set everything right and and you know wipe out all evil and like do all this. And then it says, that, and the, the the turn of phrase here is just fascinating. It says, "I turned and when I saw, I did, he didn't see a conquering king. He heard about the conquering king, but when he actually you know turns and looks." And sees what he what he sees is a lamb standing there slain, and and that's the image mm. of like you know blood dripping down, and it's like what 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 does that symbolize? And and really, what it symbolizes is that God is you know God's bleeding our blood and crying our tears. You know, He's not a, a stranger to mm. our shame and our our sense of alienation. No, He feels that. It's like He's a feeling God, not just you know yeah. not just some. Guy in the big guy in the sky, you know, he feels our pain, and that to me, you know, that's that is transformative. You know, when you feel like you're flawed and not enough, and mm. you just, you know, you feel like you suck, and and why would anyone accept me? And it's like, well, because, I mean, God is chasing after you, and because He feels that pain, you know, and mm. it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said in in your in your thesis as well, it's not he didn't just like 
he doesn't just get it on paper. <laughs> yeah. He's not just some guy's like, yeah, I, I wrote it down. I I can, in theory, I understand. It's like, no, he actually understands it and feels that yeah. and sympathizes with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it's definitely, we're not, we're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I think that's probably, if anything, I think that's the, that that was a big part for me. And I, I've i been teasing at some point, I think in season two, when we start, I'll probably like fully share my testimony. I've shared bits and pieces of it. But I think that that's one thing that I recognize for myself, and that I, I've recognized from others as well. It's one of the, the most common lies that we all believe is that we're the only ones struggling with this thing. We're the only ones dealing with this whatever particular thing it is when really it's like you're not (laughs) and I know for me that was one of the most comforting things to recognize that I'm not the only person who's struggling with this you know Jesus himself struggled (laughs) he overcame it but he still struggled you know the way that we struggle with um who we are and what we're supposed to do yeah yeah that's exactly right because what the fear is within, you know, there's, there's something wrong with me. Um, so, and we'll just stick with, you know, with sex here. It's like, I, you know, why would God give us a sex drive before marriage? Right? Like, that's the, that's the great question, you know, like, uh, he could have just dropped that Mm. on you when you got married, if that's his design. Right. And so, so it's like when you're growing up or whatever, (laughs) you have this, this urge, you know, or like, yeah, like a libido and, um, yeah. What do you, you know, I can't do anything with this, you know, that's kind of the feeling. And then it's, and then it's like, there's, there's that, that earlier that libido is like, that means there's something wrong with me. And so, you know, then now I'm marked as mm. flawed and I need to hide that. I need to keep it secret, you know, and, and mm. lock it in the dungeon and, you know, never let it out. And you know, pretend like it doesn't exist, and that's that's crazy making. Uh, you know, because you you feel mm, yeah afraid that your flaws will make you unacceptable, and that if if people really knew who I was, if people really knew, they wouldn't want anything to do. Mm. With me. You know, that's that's what shame is. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I hear that ninety day fiance all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm admitting that I've watched that show. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you tied it back into that too. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really glad that you tied it back in, um, because it's easy for us to kind of trail off on these very related ways of speaking about it, but then it gets disassociated in a lot of ways between you know the conversation of shame and the conversation of sexual shame. It seems like. For a lot of people, they can be yeah, they can be disassociated from me from each other. And like you said, I, I know people that have you know engaged in premarital sex or whatever other activity, and they feel shame for that, and they're afraid to bring it up because of how people are going to uh, think about them or talk about them. And it's really it's one of those hard things. Um, and uh, uh, for me, it's like, all right, how do I? And this this is kind of the question I'm asking: is how do we? How do we get to a place where we can recognize that as, you know, sin is sin? It's like someone may have 
premarital sex, someone may just eat way too much. <laughs> and recognizing that those are in a, in a sense like the same thing. It's like it's all it's all sin. It's all a form of you know the nature of man, and not condoning it, but also not. I don't I don't like saying it this way, but it's like. How do we get to a place where we're not condemning that person for having made a mistake, but also not condoning it and saying, like, well, it's okay. Go and do whatever you want. I know it's kind of like a blah question. (laughs) So, I mean, it really, you know, you you have to lean on the example of Christ, right? Like, what did he do with the woman who had been caught in adultery? What's he do? He He doesn't pick up stones and stone her, neither does he say, well, yeah you know go <laughs> there's no there's no standard relative. <laughs> you know, he doesn't go either of those routes he rides the middle with right that and says you know listen if if you're without sin you're the first you should be the first one to cast a stone and obviously you know he's the one who he's the only one there who's capable hmm. of doing that and chooses not to chuck the rock yeah 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 instead he he forgives her for that and you know <laughs> helps her through it i guess mm-hmm. yeah because i mean you can imagine like being the woman I don't know yeah if that can be that can be tough on oh sorry no go for it go for it uh, i was gonna say um i don't know if you've ever pictured yourself in that story as the woman um but Mm-mm. like Imagine what that would have been like. You're about to die, hmm. right? You're about to get, hmm. you know, like the whole town is about to throw s- stones at you. And here comes this guy who's like, yeah. who just like drops a truth bomb on you and, and saves your life and sends <laughs> yeah. you on your way. That's, that's, that is what, you know, that is, <laughs> that picture right there is like, it's why I, you know, consider myself a Christian. Yeah, right on the the precipice of death, and we see this. We see someone reaching out to us, mm-hmm. and it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. Someone, you know, very undeserving people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah, like that right in the middle of the worst moment of your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> That's I don't know for me that's that's the power of the gospel right there. It's like mm-hmm. dang. Like in every in every form of it I'm guilty. And yet he's like, "Well, here you go." Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. So on the one side I'll, I'll ask is cuz it's I think especially now I think when it comes to sexual shame I think that's a fairly common issue for people that's a very common thing people are struggling with so what's what's like a a a i'm kind of putting you on the spot with this what would you say is like a practical thing or something that we can do to help others with that to help others not ourselves (laughs) uh yeah 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 i'm making a little extrinsic now (laughs) yeah that's fine. Uh, so what I would say is like starting to have these kinds of conversations where it's out in the open, 
you know, because mm. that's where our shame, shame thrives in, it's in secrecy. You know, it's like mold, right? Like it likes being in the dark or mushrooms maybe would be a better one, but like likes the dark. And as long as it's hidden, it's, it's got, mm. it, you know, it's got its claws in you. It's got, it's got you it within its grip. And there's, you know, there's nothing you can do to really escape that shame as long as it's, you know, as long as it's hidden. And so, mm. you know, for the, the truth is like brave, bravery, vulnerability, willingness to be vulnerable ourselves with our own stories, it opens up the space for other people to be um, free to talk about it as well. That's, that's the real key. Is it's not hmm. something you know we have to be a trained counselor to do. It's something that you have to you know hmm. wrestle with your own shame, so that so that there's and 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 speak to it. You know that that vulnerability, that self compassion, hmm. yes, um, it, it opens up the door for other people to be able to um, to share their their own stories of shame. Yeah. That's some scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's the, I think that's the scary part about it too. Rec- it's, it's brutal. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure everyone's probably had this moment where, you know, it, it seems like often the perfect situation never happens, but every once in a while, like it seems to, and you kind of, you're sitting there in that moment, you're like, all right, I could share this thing and potentially, benefit from that or i could share something and someone may be able to come and help me <laughs> and then you get like that sweaty palms and you're like oh crap i don't know what to do and then you just don't do anything <laughs> it's like in that moment it's like all right you got to say something um yeah, yeah. that's tough <laughs> that's really tough <laughs> it is. yes it is so can so i'll ask the the ne- at least for me the next uh, next step to that is because this is something that i've experienced um, is when you do have the moment where you do share something and you get that feeling of, cause I mean, I think, especially with something like this, like this is a difficult thing to swallow for people. Cause we've all been trained to like, not talk about it. Like we said earlier. So when it does come to someone, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, you, you share it and you get kind of a feeling of rejection from others who are unwilling to en- engage with that with you. Um, it seems like that can cause like a circle of shame then. So what would you say to someone who's maybe experienced that? Or maybe if you have that moment, like, what do you, what do you do then? Yeah, that's profoundly difficult. I mean, that's like your worst nightmare come true, right? Like if, what if I, what if I'm vulnerable yeah. and yeah. and it actually, you know, flops, like, like, and, and people are like, yikes. You yeah. Know? <laughs> now I totally changed how and you know everybody's like yeah I don't want to hang out with Paul anymore you know um yeah so <laughs> what that boils down to is like being being careful and selective about who you share with right um not everybody's mm. capable of of you know treating you like Jesus treated the woman caught in adultery, you know, and that's, that's like, we all know that there are some people who are, uh, who are better 
at holding that space than others. Mm. Um, you know, especially people who haven't processed, mm. uh, process their own stuff because it's like, if somebody's doing something, uh, or, you know, has, I don't know, has, is carrying around this shame and guilt and, and they share it and you reject them. It's because you don't realize that you are capable of doing exactly that thing. You're capable of, you know, hmm. being as flawed as wow. they are. You're, you're not comfortable with your own flaws. And that means like, well, I can't be around you hmm. because, you know, you're, it's like, it's almost like a, a disgust response, right? Like we, where we, you know, kind of like yeah. smell something bad and you kind of like, Ooh, you know, gross. And and you pull away and then speak. And it's hmm. really because we, we just don't recognize that we're capable of the same thing. So, so like, um, you know, you take an addiction for instance, and, and like the 12 step groups, like there is, there is no yeah. more open, open and accepting people maybe a group of people, maybe anywhere in the world, you know, because they all recognize that like I'm an addict mm. too. And that allows that kind of what like wow. acknowledgement of my, your own flaws means that you can ex- see and accept uh, other people who are flawed as well, or who are struggling with an addiction or whatever, you know? Um, mm. So yeah, that's what I would yeah. say is like, pay attention to who you're, who you're wow. um, sharing that with and, and, you know, find a therapist because it's, it's, hmm. I mean, you've cared how long, how long do you want to carry this big secret? You know, like, don't you want to let hmm. that go? So, yeah. 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 I know I'll, I'll speak for myself here too. I know I've I've heard this from others as well, where it's when you do carry something like that, whether it's as small as like a lie <laughs> that you told someone or it's something as big as like you're hiding this part that you feel shame for of yourself. When it comes to stuff like that is you're in another way, you're creating like this other reality. You know, th- there's the face that you put in front of people that is hidden from all this stuff that you're ashamed of or afraid of. And then there's a part of you inside of you internally that's struggling with it, not knowing what to do with it. And yeah, it's this crazy burden. Like you said, it's just very taxing on your brain to be able to sustain these two individuals uh, on a day-to-day life. And it's, it's not a burden that we need to carry. Right. Yeah. That's like one of my clients described it as a, Carefully manicured exterior, <laughs> uh, and yeah. eventually, like yeah. what happens, that exterior, you know, you kind of like lose your real self and kind of become the facade, and uh, you forget, you know, even you forget hmm. what's really you and what's this pretend version of you, um, and and that wow. yeah, it's just like really heavy to carry that around. Hmm. Wow. So what would you say since we're on this too, I don't want to lose the moment. What would you say to someone who, um, where should they go to find a therapist? That's a good question. Um, they like, there's obviously websites like psychology today. Not every therapist is listed on there. Um, Hmm. but what I'd say is like, 
talk to an, talk to somebody who's uh, been in therapy and get a recommendation from them uh, for somebody who's local. Mm. Uh, I might also suggest that you um, mm. talk to somebody who is a therapist. If you, if you know somebody who's a therapist, like talk to them and say, Hey, who would you recommend? Who do you know? That's really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and mm. obviously like, you know, pastors can step into some of that role that's too. Good. Um, you know, usually they have yeah. referrals for people who are, uh, well, for counselors, you know, local counselors that they, that, that they trust mm. or they should anyway. That's really good. That's good to know. Cause I know if someone's like me, I have no idea. Even I would start, I just Google it and probably come up with some bad, <laughs> some bad resources. <laughs> <laughs> be like WebMD. They have <laughs> it's a therapist now. <laughs> well, yeah, you're even, even you know stuff like BetterHelp, where you can where you can text a therapist. You know, like it doesn't. It can be really scary mm. to think about. Like, man, if if you're really carrying a big burden and a big secret, like it can feel terrifying to be like, oh gosh, you know, I'm gonna have to share all about mm. all this stuff, and it's like. If you haven't been in therapy before. That's what I've been avoiding. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I Yeah, Yeah, you know, I'll even say for me, it's like I've definitely worked through a lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, But that was more, you know, on my own with God or in small conversations with people I trust. Um, and I, I would stay for myself. I'd be terrified to go into a therapist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a scary moment, but recognizing that there's potential for healing on the other side should be well worth it. Right. And that's why I said that there is, um, like the solution to shame is, is, uh, bravery, you know, because you have to show mm. who you really are, you know, and you have to take that risk. Um, yeah, and step out and be vulnerable because that's otherwise it's gonna it's gonna keep you trapped. Hmm. Yeah, and it's so amazing that throughout Scripture we see we see that exact message of you know vulnerability is can be a good thing. And yeah, we should strive to. I mean that that's the thing that I I, I it's kind of a, a Christianese term at this point, but the idea of like oh we're broken people. It's like, yeah, let's not forget what that means <laughs> like, for ourselves. It's like you might be healed from something, but recognize that, I mean, you're still broken, but also like you were a broken person too. And we need to have grace for others who aren't where we're at. Yeah. How I would say that is God is not surprised by our nakedness. Right, he's not caught off guard hmm. by it. Hmm. He knows all about it. So why? That's good. Keep I like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that's why. That's why you're the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's some really good stuff in there. I've definitely really appreciated reading that. And if if you're okay with it, I'd love to be able to, you know, 
leave a link up somewhere for people to be able to to read it as well if you're okay with that your thesis yeah (laughs) probably i i look at it now and i'm like oh man there are like spelling errors that i'm finding (laughs) that i thought i proofread before oh you know like how did this get even you know what what i should do actually what i think i would would prefer to do paul is like what if i um Mm. do a summary paper of it because it's a you know it's 85 pages long that'd be awesome yeah i don't know how many people are gonna read all of that but if i were to summarize it i could put i could do that that would be pretty easy to do that would be amazing yeah okay so i think that'd be great you know there's a lot that i learned from it too even talking Mm -hmm as well hearing hearing the more one-on-one answering some of the questions i had even throughout it um Mm -hmm. it was great good yeah and i I appreciate your heart for wanting to tackle a topic that is such a taboo (laughs) yeah because it really is um but i think yeah it's we want to love others well um and i think part of caring for other people is (laughs) is you know, where they're at. And that's where a lot of people are at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, like you said, the more we talk about it and yeah, just being open with that, even, even through the uncomfortable, uncomfortable part. I know if you, if you sit in a group of people and they want to talk about God, then you start talking about pornography. They're gonna be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important to, to struggle through that uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's critical. I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who have out of control sexual behaviors um, and Hmm. certainly never seen any of them, like any, anybody get out of it by themselves. You know, you need your community. You need people who are Hmm. there to support you and challenge you and, you know, and care for you and really, and really help you wrestle with like, why, what, what role does porn actually play for me? You know? Like, what is it actually mm. doing? What needs is it, is it attempting, you know, what, what needs am I using porn to meet? Um, because that's always, mm. it's always something really deep. Um, it, it's not just like, oh, you know, I can't stop doing that. It's, it's, it's like built on top of this uh, layers and layers of relational or, or, or uh, other kinds of tra- trauma. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The way I like to, to say that too, is, you know, it's a symptom of a, of a problem. It's not the yeah. problem. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, you know, the same way we look at, at alcohol, it's a form of medication too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the question is why? Hmm. Yeah. 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 What are you medicating? <laughs> Bingo, bingo. The other thing mm. that I would I want to talk about a little wow. bit, just as kind of like a, because yeah, I want to make yeah. sure that we don't miss this, is like the connection between trauma and shame. Um, so my oh yeah my, yeah 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 in my clinical practice, one of the main uh, areas I focus on is working with uh, like people who've been sexually abused, um, and and mm. there's there's like almost universally 
uh, an experience of like, there's something wrong with me or I'm flawed, dirty, broken, ugly. And, mm. and mm. Uh, like this deep and abiding sense of shame of like, that's not something I can bring up and talk about in public. That's a, that's a part of me that I have to keep locked up and, you know, in the, in the basement wow. because, you know, nobody's there to, to hear. And, and I think, um, for us mm. as, you know, people of the church, like there's, there's no, maybe no more important thing that we can do than allow those people to have a voice and to share and to talk about what happened. Mm. Um, because, you know, again, God's not caught off guard by that. You know, like I said, he's, he's crying yeah. our tears, you know, and bleeding our blood. Like that's a pretty mm. high level of empathy. I, you know, I've been a therapist for eight or nine years, I guess, eight years. Um, and I've cried with a lot of mm. my clients, like a lot of them, but I, I haven't gotten to the point of mm. bleeding yet, fortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, but that's, that's the, that's the deal, right? Is like, um, if, if we as a community choose to cry, um, with survivors of, of abuse and trauma, then, you know, we're, we're, we're not just reflecting God, mm. we're, we're embodying him. Yeah. That's a, that's empathy for, for others mm. that we mm -hmm. need to feel. So how, how does that relate then when it comes to, you mentioned earlier, even with attachment theory, how do, how do those things play, play together? Yeah. So yeah, I can, I can speak to that for sure. So, um, fundamentally, you know, like you think about okay. somebody who's supposed to, protect you and care for you and with something like sexual abuse like it's it's absolutely ruptures that you know it destroys that you know um mm. intimate caring connection that you're supposed to have with that person um you know it just grenades it and yeah. so you know you you end up being suspicious can i really trust anyone you know uh, like Hmm. especially people in authority, especially people who are supposed to protect me. Can I trust anyone? And, you know, like a, a hmm. normal, healthy development um, with attachment theory, the answer should, to that should be immediately yes. You know, like in healthy attachment, what should happen? Like if, if a kid falls down and skin their knees, right? Like the first thing that a little kid, the first thing they do is they turn and hmm. look at their parents or the adults, right? to see how they should respond, see how they should react in, in unhealthy attachments. Um, mm. they don't, they don't look at the adult. They, they, you know, realize that the adult is going to make it worse by yelling at them or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, oh, so wow. they'll, they'll draw into themselves and, and isolate some more. So they're, they're, they're directly tied up together. Um, because hmm. there's a, but there's another experiment called the Tronic, Stanley Tronic. If you haven't, if you haven't seen that experiment, um, you should definitely go YouTube it. There's like a five minute video clip where he kind of explains what attachment is and what, how it works. But what's fascinating is okay. they have they have this baby in a seat, right, and the mom is right here playing, 
um, and kind of interacting, you know, and they're having fun, you know, just kind of playing around with each other. And then all the mom, they have the mom look mm. away and then look back and her face is just stone, right? Like she doesn't, she's not reactive. And, and what happens for this kid is they lose the ability to regulate because they're, they depend on the adult to help them regulate their emotions. And so, so, you know, the little kid, you know, scream and try and, you know, Hey, 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 pay attention to me, you know, like start responding to me. Wow. And then, then, uh, eventually it gets so overwhelming because they're not getting the, the, the appropriate feedback from the mom that they start screaming. And then eventually they just kind of shut down, you know, they'll, they'll look away from the face because no way. Yeah. It's super fascinating. And so, wow. So when we talk about, um, Shame, trauma, and attachment, what we're really saying is like um, what we need is someone to turn their face back to us. You know, the Old Testament talks a lot about God mm. turning his face away from the from the Israelites, right? And and that what that's doing is indicating relational distance. I'm not invested, I'm not connected, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving you eye contact. And and that's that's it's <laughs> Like this, mm. it's an incredible wow. picture because it's like, you know, I, you think like God turning his face, like, I don't know what that means, but you know, you know what it means, but you don't really know what it means. And it's, and it's about that dyadic attachment between God and, and Israel or, and the, you know, essentially the parent and the child. Um, and so to heal wow. shame and especially sexual shame, what we need is that reattunement, reattachment. And so, um, when mm. mom you know, looks back at the baby and then, and then starts responding normally uh, to the interactions. And that's, and that's what wow. allows a dysregulated infant to recover their, their, whatever you want to call it, equilibrium, emotional equilibrium. And it's exactly the same thing with shame is when you're, when you're in shame, you want, you know, you want to hide, you want to, you know, like disappear into a pit or yeah. withdraw or whatever. And so, you know, you, it's very hard. It's very hard to make eye contact with somebody when you're in, when you're ashamed in the moment. And, but what that's what you actually need is because wow. you're expecting to see in their eyes, disgust, disappointment, uh, anger, maybe whatever. And yeah. Instead, what you get is like this, oh man, I'm, I'm heartbroken for you. You know, like if it's something that's really deep, wow. um, then and th what that begins to do is as you get consistently get that kind of interaction, a positive kind of interaction, what that begins to do is, is heal those attachment wounds and, and creates a, hmm. a secure bond where I can trust you. I know I can trust you. I know I can go to you with anything and I'm not going to get rejected. I'm not going to get wow. uh, told that I'm gross or whatever. Instead, instead you like, hmm. You respond to me with empathy and attunement, um, and and yeah, and that's so that's how attachment and, and shame and trauma all kind of you know they all blend together. Wow! So one of the interesting things I heard from that as well, bringing it, I'm talking about myself again here, <laughs> but this is what it reminded me of is, uh, especially when we're looking at the child, is like there's a lot where we have to. We have to relearn in a sense. I know there there's a point for me where I had to actually like learn how to emote properly <laughs> where, you know, I, I, I was telling someone a story and at the end of it, they're like, do you know, that's actually really traumatic. <laughs> and for me, I was like, 
I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. What are you talking about? And they had to teach me, like, why what I was saying was actually trauma and why why it wasn't good. <laughs> and it, it was a strange place to be where it's like I actually had to rely on someone else to teach me, help teach me, like, how to view circumstances properly and how to properly react. And I, like you said, there was that reattachment that kind of happened, that reliance on you know, like the the mother-child situation where I'm like, okay, help me then because I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. seems like there's a huge level of, like you said, relearning. Oh, go for it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, no, all I was going to say is like, absolutely, absolutely. Because if you, you know, if you were traumatized early in your childhood, you know, it'd be that sexual, physical, verbal, whatever, you're, you, you're learning that I cannot trust fundamentally the world is not a safe place you know that's one of the that's one of mm. the uh, markers of ptsd is like the world isn't a safe place anymore like my expectations are of wow how the world should be just you know crumbled or or even like worse if it's you know early childhood like i didn't even get a chance to build that i'm my basic assumptions building blocks that i'm using to understand the world are that the world is dangerous I can't trust people and particularly people in authority, right? Like mm. my parents, e.g. my parents. Wow. You know? And, and, and that's why wow. it's such a problem is, you know, we're herd animals, right? Like we have, um, yeah, we have in our, in our, the limbic system. So if this is your brain, right, this is the gray wrinkly part. That's the cortex inside is the uh, limbic system in the middle. And then this is your brain stem, right? Um, so, in the mm-hmm. limbic system, there's a part of our brain that is, uh, they're referred to as mirror neurons, and that's what makes us a herd animal. So it's like the same reason mm. if, if, I, if I yawn or, or talk about yawning or, you know, Darn. whatever, <laughs> eventually, yeah, I'm going to get you. Yeah, right? And that's because the mirror <laughs> I'm feeling it. Our... <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. because the mirror neurons within our brain are <laughs> attempting to attune, tune us to other people, whether that's their emotional states or their, you know, if, if uh, like when geese fly, you know, if one, if one goose flies, they all go. It's like, it's exactly that yeah. kind of response because it's like, I need, I, the world is too big and too complex for me to understand all of it. And so I have to lean on other people to help me regulate my, my emotions and mood uh, and, and also like to indicate danger, that, that kind of stuff. So Wow. That's, you know, and and when you fundamentally cannot trust another person because of, you know, early trauma, it's like you lose Mm. that ability to, you know, to be a part of the herd almost, you know, you lose your community because, and again, you know, speaks directly to what I said earlier about how, as, you know, as the church, we need to start talking about this, you know. Um, Yeah. It's it's so important. (laughs) So important. Because you're singled out, but you're not a part of the herd anymore because you've got this uh, trauma, unspeakable trauma that mm. there's no space for. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's huge. And that's, yeah, it, it's, man, there's a lot in there. There's a lot. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's where I see. You know, that's where we see the hurt of 
I'll say the church. We could say the world. We could say everybody because it really is everybody. Um, but I guess to be specific, we see, you know, with the church, it's like, yeah, it's full of a lot of hurt people with a lot of trauma. And we should be the first ones to reach out to others and listen to them and empathize with them because we're in the same boat. And we see the mess that gets created when we when we lose that ability to relate with other people, we lose that ability to, to join the herd, like you said. And when we do that, it's like, wow, that's such a, that's such an attack and it causes so many problems. And we see, I I think in a lot of ways we could even, we could even argue that we, that's why we see so many, so much division inside of, you know, I'll say the church, we could say anything. (laughs) We see so much division because of the trauma people don't know what to do with. So we try to, in a sense, it sounds like we try to create a herd. Certain people do. And because, yeah, we want to be a part of something. And we don't know how. <laughs> We're going to find the next closest thing, I guess. Yeah, even if it's not solidly formed or like, uh, you know, formed around something beneficial. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Strong instinct. Wow. One of the things I was going to say, too, is like, so think about this for a minute. <clears throat> you're supposed, so if you're like, if you've been sexually traumatized, right, and say it's by your stepdad or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the most, probably one of the most common. Um, that, that you're, that's a father figure, right? And that's essentially a a stand in for who God is. Mm. And so when you have that concept, you know, you know, stamped from an early experience like that of like fathers can't be trusted. What does that do to your relationship with God? Mm. How can you trust God, the father? Mm. How can you have victory in Jesus? that, That old song, like how can you have victory in Jesus when, when Jesus didn't save you? from what happened to you. Wow. You know, it's, it's profoundly difficult. Mm. Uh, and again, and that's why it's so important to, to hammer what I did earlier. And we don't have to re relitigate that, but it's like that God experiences, you know, our, our pain right alongside us. That's why that's so important. Wow. Man, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot in there and I know there's way more we can talk about for sure. And I say this to you, I think about all of our guests because I like to bring on interesting people. <laughs> and um I don't know if we've done it yet because we have so many people we I mean, we this has been a long time coming to have you on as well. We've been we've been trying to work it out with our schedules and I'm glad that we finally did because this was this was fantastic. And all that to say I really want to have you on again to talk more about this. Um, and I'd love, I'd love Trey to be here as well. I'd love to hear his insight um, as well. But he's been busy with school. He's a schoolboy now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, are there any, is there anything that you would like to, to close with before we wrap up? Uh, well, I'm, I'm really grateful to, for you, to you to, for having me on. It's fun to talk about. I don't get to talk about theology um, all that often sometimes, mm. but, you know, or at least in depth and in going into explaining some of this stuff and, um, you know, how, 
God, um, how do I say this? Like how the God and Bible really work at healing shame as well as guilt, because, you know, it's Mm. there, there's all kinds of metaphors for what God does as far as our redeeming us. Um, Yeah. And and those are all really important, but the one that gets hammered a lot is is the sin is a debt, right? And that that speaks mm. to guilt. Like a debt is like if you take mm. out a debt from the bank, and if you pay it back, they quit calling you, right? Whereas mm. shame is like the bank that never quits calling. And so and so it's um, I think it's so important for us to have conversations like this and it, and it's been really fun, Paul. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great to chat about it. And, um, I'm grateful. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And I'd love to come back on. Yeah. Thank you again. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about this as well. I, we want to hear from you. We want to hear, you know, um, your journey if you have one or if you want to start that you know we want to be here to help listen help point you in the right direction i know some of the resources that johnny gave we're going to be putting those in the description as best we can and we want to we want to help people be healed and overcome the best that we can um and thank you so much to maximize digital media and annie yuli for producing this episode and we will catch you guys on the next one